0: The Constitution is sacredly obligatory
1: upon all. The words of President George Washington. And this is The Guardians of the Republic. Hello, I'm Patrick Murray from the Monmouth University Poll, and my co-host is Ian Kahn from the TV series Turn, Washington Spies. On this episode of the podcast, we look at the challenges facing the Republic this
0: week. We'll cover non-impeachment news in our Hot Take segment and wrap with our Guardian of the Week discussion. Please make sure to subscribe and give us a rating in your favorite podcast app. But first, Patrick, it's been a big week in the United States of America. Where are we
1: in terms of challenges to the Republic this week? Well, we are in the midst, as we record this on Friday morning, of the uh, impeachment prosecution uh, presentation. So the House managers uh, have been presenting for two days. They're, they're wrapping up uh, today, Friday, as uh, after we record this, uh, and then the defense will take the stand. Uh, the first part of the impeachment, so the first day of the impeachment trial, was uh, about the the rules of 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 the of engagement, mm-hmm. and uh, the Senate Democrats put up a, a lot of amendments to allow witnesses to pull in new testimony from the which beginning. was fascinating.
0: I mean, it was was absolutely that 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 was a, yeah. that was a
1: hard day in America that day. Every single one of them shot down, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the actual uh, presentation of the House uh, case, the case for impeachment. So what do you think? So the lead prosecutor. In this case, the lead manager is uh, Adam Schiff. Yes. Well, so Adam Schiff, you know, it it was, it was.
0: Surprising to watch when he came up on that very first day, where they were talking about the rules. He stood up there on his first moment, and I I know what this is like when you're all of a sudden you're on a bigger stage than you're used to. Yeah, uh, Adam Schiff is typically used to being in his House Committee room. All of a sudden, he's in sort of a theater in the round almost. He has senators all around him, and I'm going to say this: that in his first hour, in his opening argument that he made, he was nervous. <laughs> I mean, he was he was sucking for air. At certain points, his mouth was dry. He was reaching for water. The room was too big for him. It took him until he went back and sat back down and came back on that very first day, on the rules day, um, to really find his feet. Now, once he's found his feet, uh, Adam Schiff, our show is titled The Guardians of the Republic. This, These last three days, well, I would say all the house managers, but most especially, Adam Schiff has doing been doing everything in his power to be a guardian of this republic, fighting for it with with his not just with his mind but with his heart, and has really done a fantastic job. So, as an actor, when you're on stage, one of the challenges is your uh, when you perform in front of children. Like if you ever do a mm-hmm. student matinee at 10 a.m., it's very hard unless you got a really really good show to keep your audience quiet. They'll start talking to each other. They'll start doing stuff. When Schiff is up there, when some of the other House managers are up there, the senators will shift and talk and, you know, do little things that they're not supposed to do. But when Schiff is up there, they are fully engaged, those senators, on both sides of the aisle. I think his work has been superb through these first three days. What do you think, Patrick?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about the senators engaged, there was some media reports about uh, senators uh, leaving and mulling about and... Uh, walking out of the of the room and they're not supposed to and yada yada. And it sounds like from follow-up from, from both sides uh, of the aisle that that, that seems to me have, have been overblown in the media. Surprise, surprise about that. But uh, on, on Schiff himself, uh, I thought his uh, summary on Thursday night where he laid out the case about why... Do we need to impeach and remove him now? That, yeah. that was the focus. It was why yep. now? Why does it have to be removed now? Uh, and it boiled down to you. You know, his argument was you can't disagree with the facts of the case <laughs> unless you don't want to look facts in the face. Which is the facts are that the President Trump did. Do this what quid, he is accused quid, of doing the quid pro quo was there the question is does that rise to the level of an impeachable offense that requires his removal right now
0: well also he was talking last night about Burisma and how Russia is doing it again and yeah. how they have hacked into Burisma and are they going to then use this information to help Donald Trump in the 2020 election his main point was we cannot trust Donald Trump to do what's best for our country ahead of doing what's best for himself I have to say that when it first started out and the rules were going, it seemed like Schiff was starting out really hot. You know, he was he was all in on kind of this is this is the importance and, you know, this is the big moment. And the idea that he's been able to sustain that over the course of three days has really impressed me, I must say.
1: Uh, but I think also one of the things that we have to think about with Adam Schiff, as strong as he is today, and, and this happens in every trial, is that he doesn't get the last word um, yet. And the defense was going to take its... Position and one of the things that I think it's going to take, because it, we've got an indication that they're not going after the facts, that they were they're going after the motivation, of the impeachment itself, and I think one of the things that people will hear about, people who listen to this might not re- remember this, but back at the end of September when, the news of the Ukraine call broke, and Schiff opened the uh, impeachment inquiry, in in the hearings, that he. Basically parodied the readout of the call itself. Yes, and
0: we discussed it, and we both agreed. I, I, in fact, we did an we did our episode that day. Uh, it was that morning, and right. we were both like, "That was a bad move. That's that's going to really." Right. Uh, and you're right. I think that that will come out. And, but and I'm to- thinking
1: about because they mentioned it. the The defense, uh, the president's attorneys, mentioned this during the rules day that that had happened. And I'm thinking about it because now, you know, it's months ago when this happened. And, so, you know, maybe I'm misremembering exactly what happened because I'm looking at some of the reports, including reports in liberal media, which mentions that this was a parody and, and, and Schiff made it clear that it was a parody of that he was saying this. Um, and that in and of itself would have been inappropriate. But I actually went back and listened to what he did itself. And he did not make it crystal clear. It wasn't clear crystal clear that it was it a parody. Yeah. Did you and watch the it, or did you it wait, 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 wait. Did you
0: wait a minute? No, wait a minute. Did you watch it or yes. did you just listen to it? No, I watched it. If and you watched it, then you then it was pretty clear when I watched it no. with a sort of roll of the eyes that he had that he was not he was not mm. doing a direct quote. That was no. my that
1: was no. my estimation. I watched it. it. I watched it and. My watching of it was that it looked like he was reading an actual transcript because he kept because it was a script. He had a script and he was reading it. And in fact, I just want so for our listeners, um, because this is going to come up, I'm going to play a little bit of that. Just so you will know what's happening when the president's lawyers go after Adam Schiff on this.
2: And what is the president's response? Well, it reads like a classic organized crime shakedown. Shorn of its rambling character, and in not so many words, this is the essence of what the president communicates. We've been very good to your country. Very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though, and I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent, understand lots of it. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. This is, in sum and character, what the president was trying to communicate with the president of Ukraine. It would be funny if it wasn't such a graphic betrayal of the president's oath of office.
0: Okay, you know, one thing I want to note is Adam Schiff sounds very different. He sounds like he has the same cold that you and I have, uh, that we're both struggling with. Uh, That being being said, he did say it reads like a mobster's shakedown. So that's, and that's what I remember. Now look, we both agreed in that moment, we were very, very clear about it, that this was a mistake. I thought it was a mistake. The one thing I would argue back just the day before it starts tomorrow and i think you'll agree with me is all the that the that the president's attorneys are really going to be able to argue is about things like this they're not going to talk about the facts of the case and i think that after you know the, the depth of this we talked for so long about whether impeachment was going to be a positive or a negative for the democrats or for the republicans or for president trump to have 4 days really because that's what it's been it's been 4 days Of just the Democratic House member managers just pushing forward this idea that the president is fully corrupt, I do think that that actually is going to hold, and that unless the defense team and to to give the Republican senators their credit, they're all saying, "Listen, I am not going to make my decision until I hear what the president's defense is." It's certainly been you know they're certainly making some valid points, but you can't make your decision until you hear the president. In the president's defense, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. I don't think he's going to be convicted. In fact, I don't even think there are going to be witnesses. But I think there's going to be a long-term yeah.
1: effect. I Yeah, I don't think so. I think what happens with these things is that it's the last thing you hear that sticks. And with the fact that we're going into this with the country bitterly divided over this and only willing to listen to what they want to listen to, is that you're not going to move anybody, and the problem that I have is that we're, you're not going to move the public directly. You're only going to move them through the leadership moving, and this kind of thing, the, the going after Schiff's motivation over yeah. this—that he wanted to get the president. To, so it doesn't. The facts don't matter because this was just a witch hunt to begin with. Even though it turns out that you know we have proof that that there's a witch involved. Um, But I think that's that's problematic because it's not so much you know what this plays to the public. It's how th- does this play in that room? And while I think a lot of people are paying attention to this in that room, they are looking for ways to justify not accepting the argument. Right. And, yeah, and, sure. and those ways Without will question. be the will be the motivation of that. And that, that's what I think is going to be problematic for Schiff. On this, is that that comes back to Biden? Because my feeling is that when you are on this side of the argument, the side of, you know, Trump did something wrong, is that you cannot afford any minor misstep like this. Yeah.
0: Well, you know what? You at the time, I remember at the time there was some discussion that you thought that he probably should be moved out of the job of lead manager because of this mistake so we'll see if you're right about that if it if it really is as deadly a blow i'm going to go over under with you right now and i want you to give me an answer on this i'm going to say over under 14 hours (laughs) that the defense uses in their defense of the president, over or under fourteen hours because they want to get this over with, under. right? Yeah, under. Yeah, that's yeah, what under. I think too. I don't think they're good. I mean, that's why you know because they don't have allowed. they don't have
1: a they don't one they don't have a lot to go on, yeah. and, um, and that's it's my, all going to be about right, motivation. Okay. Yeah,
0: I was going to go twelve hours, but I decided to give them because you know they have up until twenty four they have up to twenty four hours to yeah. use, and I was going to say twelve hours, but I was like, man, mm, they might do a little bit more than that. But I think they'll do two or three hours on Saturday just to kind of get a taste of it. And then on Monday they'll try to do a full day and then they'll say the defense rests and then McConnell will say, Okay, it's time to vote on, you know, on witnesses and and then we'll move on from there. And it'll be uh pretty fascinating. Okay, let's talk a yeah. little bit about Jared Nadler and decorum. He he's turned into a a lightning rod, but I think everyone's a lightning rod because yeah. it's a
1: it's an electric time. So But he more than most, I think, and in fact this yeah. this is following on my argument about Schiff is that you can't afford to make mistakes. So um, I think most people uh, have heard about this Happened late at night on Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, or early in the morning, actually, um, that Jerry Nadler. Um, uh, he came sit, out and he said and, it's, it, it's, a, it's cover a cover up. up. You're co- by, by not voting for witnesses, you, the Senate, have participated in a cover up. Now I'm paraphrasing, but he did use the word cover up and he did say that the Senate. Is he he did. Up. But and, wait, let me just say, as a, as, an, as a performer, he was sitting there watching and waiting for
0: eight hours. He didn't say anything earlier before that. Yeah. I, I don't think he did, and he's like watching all this go, and it's like his energy just was like, you know what I? And then they've had to spend the last few days backing off, and saying, you know, we're very grateful for your open listening heart and everything
2: else.
1: So this led this led to an admonishment by the Chief Justice John Roberts uh, that that there's a decorum in the Senate, then you shouldn't use those kind of uh, words or, or accusations against senators within the Senate, and that's problematic. Because these are the folks that you are trying to convince to come over to your side, ever so reluctantly, and you are insulting them as a body. And in fact, and it was Susan Collins, dude, and exactly yeah. this is yeah. what it, where I was going, right? Okay, it was the the, the the news that came out afterwards was that it was Susan Collins who passed the note up to John Roberts that this was unacceptable. Susan Collins, who is one of those people <laughs> that you are trying to convince, you need, right? And she was upset. About this, not smart moves. I, that's why I said when you're on the side, so, when even though you have the facts on your side, you cannot afford any minor mistake like this. You're dealing with human beings in that Senate. So human it's with, oh, wait big, a minute, With big ego, yeah,
0: but yeah, but then for you to say that, that you can't make any mistakes, what you just said is my is my return. We're talking about human beings here. They're going to make mistakes. Nadler's going to make a mistake. Schiff made a mistake overall their overall work is really quite strong but they're going to be mistakes there's no way it's like saying you need to play a perfect baseball game
1: your overall wait their overall their overall presentation is strong in an objective sense but we're not going for an objective evaluation of the whole you know you're not going to be judged on the whole here you're going to be judged on the end product okay and it's these little and i think these little things may play a a, an outsized role in the end product
0: (laughs) that's tough that's tough man i mean that's that's uh that's that's a challenge to say you know that i i, I understand i remember I, look nadler went up to the microphone so it was late in the morning it was early in the morning wednesday morning and then he comes back to the microphone on wednesday afternoon and he just looks you know he looks like my six-year-old my seven-year-old after he made a mistake and doesn't want to make another mistake right. you know it's like a little like oh, did i mess up am i good am i good um and uh and and sort of finding our way um Okay, so uh, yes, but that, that was that was very interesting. Let's talk about Sylvia Garcia for a minute. You've got yeah. one thing to talk about, and I've got another thing to talk about. Sylvia Garcia from Texas.
1: Yeah, well, I thought I found her presentation really interesting. Just again, from a performance standpoint, um, her job was to lay this out like you would in a straight criminal trial, which is, in order to convict some per, a person, they have to have the means, the motive, and the opportunity and she kept coming back to that and it was sounded uh, what i found interesting is it just cuz it sounded like a true criminal trial in terms of this presentation now she said you know the means and the opportunity were pretty clear for president trump so what's the motive and then she wanted to lay out that why did the, why was the timing of this request for an investigation from the ukraine when it was and she pointed out that it was after joe biden yeah. Announced his run for president, and the polls started coming out, showing him very strong against Donald Trump. She said, so why wasn't uh, Trump interested in Ukrainian um, corruption prior to that happening? And so she kept hammering away that that's the motive, that's the motive. And that's exactly what you do in a criminal case. You build that story, that narrative around that.
0: Yeah. Now, it, it, she's, she was very interesting. She The thing that struck me was last night. Uh, it, she was sort of back in and she said the only way this is how she said it, the only way to come to a different conclusion about the facts. And she sort of shrugged and said it without judgment is to ignore the evidence. That's what she said. So, you know, there comes up, the only way to come to a different conclusion is to ignore the evidence. You know, shift with his impassion. The only way to come into this is to ignore the evidence. And she came out, no, the only way to come to a different conclusion Is to ignore the evidence. Is that what you want to do? And uh it was uh it was I was really quite taken with that moment. So Sylvia Garcia, a little tip of the hat. Now Hakeem Jeffries, I'm gonna give two I wanna give two feelings about Hakeem Jeffries. His first speech he had clearly worked on (laughs) for I guess as long as he knew he was gonna be a house manager. He was waking up and he was looking at his speech and he was memorizing his speech and he knew exactly where he was going. It was awesome. And he had this great moment, if you don't know, now you know, in response to, I believe it was Cipollone. Um, fantastic. It, it, was, it was a star-making performance for me. But then yesterday, he had another speech that he gave, and his head was down in the paper the entire time. And you know what? It's not as good as an actor. If you're going into an audition, if you're going to present something, and you can't see your eye, and the, the audience or the casting director or the director cannot see your eyes, you're not going to get your point across in the same way. And I was watching Hakeem Jeffries, who I would have given an A for his performance on, I believe it was Wednesday. Then last night, Thursday night, I thought was weak. And so that was just a little point that I wanted to make about, um, about Jeffries. But, but when he's on, whew,
1: he was great. Unbelievable. All right. So um, I don't want to talk about all the um, uh, presenters on the House side, but we're going to soon hear from the president's defense. And we've heard from two of his lawyers. There's, there's a larger team that's been assembled. We're not sure whether we're going to hear from all of them. Uh, but the defense to date has been presented by Jay Sekulow and Pat Cipollone. So what do you think of those two guys? I, I
0: think, well, we're, I'm, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit, uh, because I think their big job comes tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Uh, we'll know more next week. Uh, overall, I think they've been pretty darn weak. Um but so is their case. So they're, they're grasping at straws and I don't think they're really, I, I, I kind of thought they, I, I don't think they're presenting great so far. Um, but again, it's early. You pointed out to me last night of a Secolo. you were pointing out that Jay Sekulow, uh and the, the lawyer cases. What tell, what was that? What was that again?
1: This is um, so I'm, I'm listening and I, I haven't been able to listen to all every hour consistently so I tuned in at one point, and Jay Sekulow started talking. And he was on a rant about what the ha- why does the house have things against uh, something against lawyer lawsuits? Yeah, that was so it. Lawyer lawsuits. What are, what are your problem with lawyers? And, and why, why can't you file lawyer lawsuits? That's how you do things. It's a lawyer lawsuit. And I said, what the heck is he talking about? I have no idea. So I went on Twitter thinking, okay, well, I could find, you know, people will talk about it here. So I'm putting in lawyer lawsuit, and I'm like, I'm seeing this whole string of things on Twitter. What is a lawyer lawsuit? What is a lawyer lawsuit? Well, it turns out prior to second Val Demings from Florida, one of the was house good. managers, was, good. was up. And she was explaining why the house inquiry hadn't called certain witnesses and certain information because they would had gone through a long judicial process, because they would be stymied by the Trump administration, it would take a long time, and, you know, the argument on the House side is that we can't afford this. Um, and, and we're going to hear more from the you know, from the president's defense and from the Republican senators that the House should have done this, that they shouldn't have asked yep. the Senate to do this. But the point being is that the lawsuits that she was talking about, and she made this crystal clear multiple times in her talk, were Freedom of Information Act lawsuits, otherwise known as FOIA lawsuits. Come on. FOIA lawsuits. So she's talking about FOIA lawsuits, and she's it's- saying Freedom of Information Act all along, and Jay Sekulow clearly doesn't have a clue what she's talking about.
0: And this is— Okay, so now we are going to go into them for a minute. The problem is they're, they're trying to win in the Senate, but they're also trying to keep their client happy. Yeah. Right. And their client is a big fan of big gest- big gestures, loud gestures. I think, no, your honor, it's wrong. You know, he he wants all that. So Sekolo, I don't think that really fits into his style. And he ends up coming off a bit of a buffoon. Uh, Cipollone too Uh, that's why I I talked about Hakeem Jeffries where like why are we here Cipollone kept saying why are we here why are we here why are we here we shouldn't be here that was that was actually it was an interesting day that rules day it was painful to watch because they kept shutting everything down but it was the first time where you saw maybe the only time where you're seeing the lawyers go back and forth on either side Um, I'm still willing to give them an incomplete we'll see how they do on Saturday oh yeah we don't we don't
1: know how they're going to do but uh, you said the initial recording from uh, reporting from that um, first uh, day of, of hearings, or first day of the trial, it was that they did not perform well. Yeah. So my, again, you, they really have a client of one that's, you know, the president that they have to please. And if you see a lot of reporting that says that, these guys are not doing well by the president. I wonder how that's going to play out with him. Well, you, in the talking about somebody who's not doing right by the president, let's talk about Matt Gates for a second. We talked about Matt Gates on the show, the
0: firebrand. Is that a word? That's the right use of that word, yes, right? Sure. Firebrand? Yeah, the firebrand from Florida. Scary guy. Uh, smart guy. Yeah, yeah and he, he's a charismatic
1: been, dude. He's been willing to use, uh, to manipulate the, the, the House proceedings in order to... Without a doubt, he's the one who stormed the skiff. Yep, he stormed the skiff. He's the, he's a leader in that house.
0: So the war power, the War Powers Act, when that vote came through, he was one of the Republicans who actually
1: stood up. We talked about it on the show last week about Matt Gates. Well, now let's say, why don't you tell everybody what happened this week? Right. So he he stood up against the president on the War Powers Act, and um, they none too happy about it. And guess what? Matt Gates was not one of the House members who was named to the president's defense team. Surprise, surprise. And then he had a comment about how things were going this week. What was it again? He said,
0: he said that the, the Democrats are doing a pretty, pretty fine job of making their case, which was like, wow, why are you saying that? And then he said, and the Republican, the, the, uh, the defenders of the president are coming off like eighth graders. Wait, no, not eighth graders, because eighth graders know how to use an iPad. What? What?
1: Yep. That's firebrand, man. That's Matt Gates. That's Matt don't, Gates. I Matt Gates know, has man. been defending the president all along. He needed an out. And this is what we, one of the things that we talked about that happens in legislatures all the time, whether it's Congress or state legislatures, is that in order to protect yourself in your district, if there's a particular interest in your district, and from with Matt Gates, it's all the, the number of military personnel that are in his district, that he needed to take a vote that was against his party. And you usually get a pass for that. Right. And in, in Trump world, you do not, you never so let's, get a pass for voting against President this Trump. Is,
0: this is so fascinating. because check this out. Cory Gardner, Susan Collins, and Tom Tillis. Let's just say those three. If the Republicans could, wouldn't it be wise for them, in a way, to say, hey, you know what? Let's let Gardner, and at least Gardner and Collins, let's let them vote for witnesses. Right. Because, and it, we still won't get witnesses, but that'll help them in their Senate campaign. Right. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do that. Exactly. You will not get away with that. Trump will come after your butt and and that's not smart. The smart side, the smart side of things would be just let people do what they have to do f- to handle their district.
1: Yeah, that's that is has been the common practice all along is that uh, you, you you allow that to happen. Um, and it's we're seeing this more and more that you can't do this. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's turn to the witnesses right? Are we going to see witnesses? Are we going to see John Bolton? Are we going to see Hunter Biden? What do you think is going to happen down the road here? I don't think that we're going to see witnesses. I think, and and, and in a way,
0: uh, I mean, what I was describing earlier, talking about what these four days have done to the president, and I think that I think it has made an effect. I think it is telling a story about the Republican Party versus the Democratic Party. I think it's brought value. I think it's the opposite of what happened in the Clinton impeachment. I don't think it's helping the president in any way, which was a fear that everyone had because the facts are so kind of damning in a way. Not for the Trumpist, not for the far-right Republican. Um, I'm with Donald Trump no matter what. But with the people who are in the middle, who are going to help decide who's going to be the president in 2020. I think if those witnesses can show up, there is a chance that he actually could be removed. It's not impossible. So I think that to save that from happening, Ms. McConnell's gonna, you know, whip it away and make sure that it doesn't happen and they're gonna find their excuses and they're gonna, I I don't see it happening. So um, I sent you this text a couple of nights ago and it was, you know, I I typically am the more optimistic of the two of us (laughs) in terms of the future of the Republic. Uh, And it was when Murkowski came out and sort of was talking about Nadler and saying, Murkowski was talking about process in a way, uh, feeling, and I just went, oh man, she's not going to do it. Like, and I I wrote to you "In in a sad moment, the fix is in. The question now becomes, how does a rigged trial affect November? We are a banana republic. To add on top of that, last night, late last night it came out in CBS News, that the Republican senators are being told that vote against the president and your head will be on a pike. Think about that. Vote against the president and your head will be on a pike. Now, that's Game of Thrones stuff right there. Do they mean metaphorically your head will be on a pike? Or do they mean legitimately your head will be on a pike?
1: But that banana republic relates
0: directly to that.
1: It made me think of this book that was released um, this week, which was uh, a very stable genius uh, mm-hmm. by Carol Lenning and Philip Rucker, the writers, I think, for the Washington Post. Yes, both Washington Post. Right, and, th- and there was a piece that has been an excerpt that was released this week of it, which talks about how they were trying to convince Donald Trump About the need for military engagement and our trade deals and all sorts of things around the world and why we need NATO and why we need a presence in different places and how this is important for American security and our economic well-being as well. And they had him come over to the Pentagon and like they did this dog and pony show and he got up and he just yelled at the military leaders there, these commanders. And, and called them all sorts of names and idiots. and bunch of babies. A, a bunch, bunch of, of babies. crybabies. And they were obviously uh, upset about this and had to bite their tongue. And it's interesting that this has not come out until now, which shows you how well-disciplined these our, our military is. But my question for this is, and I've, I've raised this in one of our episodes some time ago, is how much longer can the military look at what's going on with Donald Trump and his behavior and not say that he's a threat to our national security? Yeah, but what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, in, in Banana Republics, that means a military coup. Yeah, but I, I just, how, what does that look like? What does that look like? A, a military coup? Because if you think
0: about the Trump supporters, the hardcore Trump supporters, let's say, then you're talking about absolute civil war.
1: No, hardcore Trump supporters are authoritarians. So you just transfer your allegiance from one authoritarian figure to another.
0: No, no, no. I no, mean, no,
1: I, no, I, no, mean no. I don't okay. know whether that's going to happen, but let part of that, that's true. That is psychologically true.
0: Oh, okay. Psychologically, it's true. But their their passion is for this particular human being to be their leader. A military coup would be a disaster. I mean, then, then indeed, we're a,
1: a, a true banana republic. And um, then you, you saw that march in Richmond the other day, the, the march yeah. for, for gun rights, yeah, it where did. it looked like these militias rising up. It's dangerous times. If we've got that going on in the public, where people are going to take the military fight in their own hands, yes and you've got the military our, our, our actual military <sighs> command being demeaned, and then not only being demeaned, but looking at instability. In I I, I think I'm I'm worried this is unlike you
0: this is unlike you this is unlike you this is the kind of stuff that I say I I look at what you're saying here and I say I think that's a I think I think that's a stretch now maybe if in November President Trump is reelected and this continues going down the path that might make some sense Um, maybe I I don't know it's 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 uh, it's a you heard it here first folks I'll tell you that Uh, because I haven't heard that anywhere else Um, but it's a uh, okay we we'll have, see. we
1: have. I mean, our culture is such that this is hard to fathom, and yes. and I know these military leaders would be fighting against that a tooth and nail because it's just not in their it's not in their DNA uh, to go that route. But unfortunately, I'll tell you, General Washington would not support that. No, no, he wouldn't. But gotta no, remember what what did our founders worried about? They knew the history of republics. They knew the history of Greek republics, the Roman Republic, and they knew that they eventually would fail to authoritarian leaders and would fall and become empires or, you know, under military... Authoritarian dictatorships, yeah. And they were worried about that. We have not had that happen through some very dark times, whether it's the Depression or whether it's the Civil War. Um, We've been able to survive it. So the question is, do we still have the resilience to do that today? And it's
0: happening right now. This is the time this is when i mean it's happening right now and how the next maybe 2 weeks goes forward it is amazing to me and you wonder how much that head on the pike factors in that these that republican senators are going to be willing to sort of just give it a pass i don't know how it's going to affect things moving forward let's do a quick because we got more to get to here yeah. let's just talk about the patient how is the patient this week
1: I think the patient is, is doing worse by, by all this that we're talking about, because I'm not looking ahead to how this is going to affect November. I'm not looking to whether Donald Trump is in or out of office. What I am looking at is, is this impeachment trial leading to eventually us rebuilding the norms of constitutional behavior? Is it, is it going to lead to an aha moment where we say, this is not the way we should be behaving, regardless of whether Donald Trump is convicted or not? Is that if do we get to the other end of this and people say, oh, wait, this was just we went too far. We need to dial it back. And I just don't think that I don't know what I'm dial- seeing is that yeah. it's going to be that that nobody is going to sit there and say this was wrong. They're just going to live past this and we're going to continue down this road. Um, and and Donald Trump is going to use this. My feeling is he's going to use this as to say uh, he was exonerated. And that just opens up the case, not just for him, but for others. To behave in the way that he has, yeah, I think
0: that there. I I unfortunately agree with you this week. I think that the patient is is uh, is worse off. I think also that the president is worse off. I do. I don't think he gets to say I'm exonerated in exactly the same way. We'll see. We'll well, but, but he know. does
1: he does to his faults. This is where we again the rift the rift in the in the American public. It gets deeper yeah, but that, and deeper. But That's why I now saying, his, his followers will say. But one thing I want to point out here, because go this goes back to, and why I think this this is a problem with, with the trial, is this is, goes back to what my concern all along was about what you call tribes law, which was the delay in sending this over. The delay should have been – the delay in sending the articles of impeachment over to the Senate. The delay should have been in actually voting on the articles of impeachment. And I said that all along. You needed more evidence. You needed more things to come out. Okay. And because you were, you were never going to convict Donald Trump in the Senate. So the, having the impeachment inquiry hang there was, I think, a m- would have been much more effective for the long-term health of the republic than what we're seeing uh, right now. That's not really tribe's law.
0: Tribe's law is not really that. The tribes law is, was all about once because I agree with that. I do. In fact, we discussed it that way. But tribes law was okay. Well, now we voted on the impeachment. Let's hold them. And it's different. It's it's not. It's not true, exactly true, the true. same. It's not the same. It's not really tribes law because tribes law was, like I said, very specifically. Let's hold it. All right. All right. So maybe
1: maybe this is Pelosi's law that we needed to move it along quickly in, yeah. in the House and that, yeah. that whatever whoever's law it was was again. I I wasn't. I was reticent about that. I was skeptical about the long-term impact of that, and I keep thinking that the more I see, the more I was right about being skeptical about. Yeah, okay, so but let's check on the polls,
0: okay? Because you have a new poll coming out. You had you you've been a you had a big week of polls. Yep. You you've had polls every every show I'm watching. is talking about the Monmouth University poll. I'm like, hey, that's Patrick. The Monmouth University poll says this. Oh, hey there, Patrick. There you go, Patrick. So you know, one of the things is there was a new national poll that you guys did.
1: And it shows that the numbers have shifted overall. Uh, in terms of impeachment, it's like tick up in terms of people who uh, agree that um, the Senate should convict. It's 49% in our poll. I think a couple of other polls had it just over 50%. Yep. That's that's a couple points higher than it had been before the House actually impeached. The thing that's going on with the trial right now, we find that a vast majorities want to see, to at least invite officials from the Trump administration and the president himself to testify. They want to see witnesses. In fact, 51% say that these Trump administration officials who did not testify in the House inquiry should be compelled to testify in the Senate trial. But that's what wait a minute, wait
0: a minute, wait a minute. I'm stopping you. But that's what I'm talking about. You say eighty percent of Americans believe that should be witnesses. Okay? So if eighty percent of the country believes that sh- there should be witnesses and then the the republican senate stops them from having witnesses how does that 80 percent not sort of go why why do we not have witnesses doesn't it seem perfectly appropriate that we'd have witnesses and then how does that not have an effect as it moves forward where wouldn't that 80 percent say well this is, the whole thing is rigged doesn't
1: that then shift how they would no. think about the whole experience why not no because there's a difference between and this is clear difference in, in public opinion measurement between wanting something and demanding something. They're not demanding witnesses; they are wanting witnesses because it's yeah. normal. And <laughs> if they're told that in this case that we, it won't be normal, many of them will say, "Okay, that's fine." That's the problem. Okay. I, so they're they're wait, expecting is- they're expecting normal behavior, but when normal behavior doesn't happen, those who um, at least nominally support the president will say, "Okay, that's fine."
0: Okay, fine. I, but but listen, man, I'm going to ask you, and I don't ask you to do this very often, please do a poll in about a month when this is all over about this, about whether they feel that it was a fair oh, trial. we will, because
1: cause, cause guess what? We, we we asked about the House inquiry. Uh, 52% said the House inquiry was fair. 46% expect the Senate trial to be fair. And you can be sure that we're going to, as soon as this is over, we're going to be polling this again to see if people are upset with both the outcome and how it was I carried. I bet out. you. I bet you. It's going to be. It's that number is going to creep higher than you expect. Uh, I'd be surprised. Okay, we're going to do an over/under on that, just like All we right. did on the twelve-hour, fourteen hours. <laughs> okay, but we we also had some polls out uh, this week on on twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, so we had a, we had a national poll out. Uh, about the Democratic race. Biden remains ahead. He's got 30% in our poll. Sanders is rising. He's got 23% in our poll. Some other po- another poll had him ahead, in fact, the CNN poll. But most polls have him in second place, but actually performing a little bit stronger. It's still a multi-person race with Liz Warren. They're at 14%. Amy Klobuchar is making some moves. We're going to look at some Iowa polling coming out next week, including the Mammoth poll. We're going to have an Iowa poll next week. Um, and I think we need to pay a little closer attention to her. Pete Buttigieg is not polling all that well nationally, but again, he's polling well in the early states. Mike Bloomberg, that's the, yep. the big one. He's at 9% in our poll nationally. Uh, he's not competing in the early states. Uh, he's putting all his money on Super Tuesday and later, and um, at least some of it seems to be paying off.
0: Yeah, and but now I'm going to ask you this
1: question before we move on. Why are you bothering with national polls? Why are you yeah, doing that? And that's that's a good question, and, and here's why. Because the president's being impeached. <laughs> And what that means is uh, we had a plan originally that we wouldn't do that many national polls uh, from December through February, that we'd be doing a lot more state polling. A national poll costs about double what our state polls cost uh, for these primaries. And the problem is if you're doing uh, an impeachment is so important to keep track of that we have to do these national polls that we tack on those questions about 2020. Uh, Democratic polls. I agree. Okay. I don't think it's as meaning, meaningful in terms of the long run because we know that once the Iowa and New Hampshire results come in, the national poll numbers will shift radically if that's yeah. what happens in those results. But the reason why we're doing these national polls is because they're just being tacked onto these impeachment polls that we have to do because that's the most important thing that's happening. Okay, in the but wait, right now. So
0: I want to add one more thing to polling. There's just so much to talk about this week. There's a CNN poll that came out which really showed a shift. Where Joe Biden is up to 53% to 44 against Trump. Michael Bloomberg is at 52% to 45 against Trump. Those numbers have widened. And I think it has to do with the impeachment.
1: I really do. Um, you don't think it'll stick? I, 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 I think that CNN poll might be a, a bit of an outlier. <laughs> and you, and yeah, uh, but I'm, wait a minute I'm now. Very, you're, you're, you're very with familiar the with the outliers. Stop,
0: though. But wait a minute now. Your outlier poll, which showed Elizabeth Warren ahead, wasn't an outlier. It was just like a month early, remember? Mm-hmm. So are outliers necessarily outliers, or a sign of what's coming in the future,
1: perhaps? Well, what I'm saying is because it's because it's an outlier right now, we don't know. So I'm not, you know, you're asking me to comment on this trend. If you don't know, now you know. And Mr. Brown, <laughs> oh jeez, and um, okay. I don't know whether that's a trend yet.
0: Okay, very okay. good. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's move on to our hot take segment. Uh, but you wanted to talk about something with uh, the non. Yeah, you Perfect. know,
1: it's funny because we 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 always try to come up with topics for a hot take segment that are not the topics that we're talking about in the main part of our, our newscast. So what I did is I went to Google and, and I wanted to look for non-impeachment news this week. And as soon as I typed in the word non-N-O-N, non-impeachment news this week came up as the first search term. Um, there so you go. I wasn't the only one looking for non-impeachment news this week. But what was, what was ironic about this, as soon as I clicked on that search term... It was all impeachment news. (laughs) So but anyway, we did find some non impeachment news. And uh, we're going to talk about that in our hot take segment. So this is where we take 90 seconds to discuss one of those topics in the news. And when you hear this sound, it's time to move on to the next topic. So, Ian, what do we have up as our first topic?
0: Joe Biden had, uh, I'll tell you this, had a couple of really emotional moments this week on the trial. And it turns out that they were both on the same
1: day yeah so uh, let's listen to those clips before we start the the clock the first one is him on joe scarborough right Um, Uh, morning
0: joe yep talking about his son beau biden
2: how much guidance and how much inspiration do you get from beau
1: joe Bo should be the one running for president not me um
0: every morning i get up joe not a joke I think to myself, is he proud of me?
1: And the second one we have is uh, Biden being uh, trailed by a CBS reporter and being asked a bunch of questions, and you hear his response here.
0: Why wasn't his apology enough, Mr. Vice President? Why, why attack Sanders? Why, 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 yeah, You're at-
2: getting <laughs> nervous, man. Just calm down. It's okay. He apologized for saying that I was corrupt. He didn't really say anything about whether or not I was telling the truth
0: about social security. Uh, that was tough. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things, you, you brought up the why, 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 why first on this. And I pointed out the the Bo Biden. You know, when something happens like that at the top of your day where you have an emotionally cracked moment, because Biden went to tears almost when he was talking about his son, for God's sakes. Like, guys, had so much tragedy in his life. It sort of opens you up for the rest of your day. Um, makes you a little bit, and you, the, the music was very loud. In that place, I mean, as we can hear from the clip and and, and set, I forget the name of the reporter was really peppering him trying to get an answer. Yeah, it was
1: a it was a big scrum. He was moving into another room. The reporter really was asking, kept uh, pushing, pushing, on. pushing, pushing, pushing,
0: pushing. And it, it was not a good moment for Joe Biden. It was uh, you. you how did you? How, I actually did
1: you I, I I I thought he handled that actually fairly well because you can see it in his face that that why, 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 why was really frustration It was just absolutely, you know, uncontrolled frustration. But he snapped out of it. He did. He snapped out of it, and he, he stopped, and he answered the question, and he gave the guy a little uh, punch <laughs> on the chest. <laughs> Not a punch, but a, uh, a, uh, a little uh, t- open t- hand, open hand. Yeah, yeah, a little 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 t- little, t- little, t- little, t- little fist bump. Take it easy, man. Chest, like, yeah, hey, yeah. hey, man. Like, okay. Well, anyway, what do you think of that?
0: Well, I'll tell you this, that I remember back in the summer, I was speaking to a good friend of mine who's a lawyer at the ACLU, and I said to him, I'm going to repeat this joke. I said, I just don't know if Joe Biden can make it to the finish line. He said, I'm not sure he can make it to the early bird special. <laughs> I'll tell you this, he's made it to the
1: early bird special. He's stronger
0: yep. than we thought, and he's coming into Iowa with a little bit of wind at his back. I'm I'm impressed, actually, by Joe Biden.
1: All right, so our next topic is, uh, there's this report out that Obama has been telling people that he is really worried about uh, Bernie Sanders becoming the nominee, what do you think?
0: I think that I understand why he might, but you had a point of view about this that you thought it was
1: not true. I think the report itself is not true. Um, the you know the because he said Bob, that he
0: was going to do something about that it
1: that he was going to do something about it, right, and this comes on the the, the heels of Hillary Clinton um, and you know that was oh, you know renewing I, her feud with, with, with that was that was foolish that was you, dumb. Right. That was, I,
0: I'm sorry, Hillary Clinton, right. you know, tip the hat to you for all you did for the country. And why are you going and doing that and opening the door for Tulsi Gabbard to be able to open a a, a libel case against you because you're not so popular anymore? Yeah. Uh, it's so, a mess. So put that aside.
1: So okay, yeah, sorry, put yourself, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, no, I mean, Tom's talking to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Put your own personal animosity with aside because you you, you weren't helping the cause there. When no. You did that. But with, with the, the Obama report, that that he's talking about this it just it just to me smells like this kind of fake news I hate reports yeah uh, well it's it, fake news reports that we got on facebook in 2016 mm-hmm. and i and shouldn't just being perpetuated i don't like that expression fake news it's employed by the
0: president too often uh look if if bernie sanders becomes the nominee of the democratic party i think it's going to be problematic for the Democratic Party across across the country my my friend Gary Kasparov the chess master often talks about the 1980s when Bernie Sanders used to go to Russia and proselytize for communism in America and Kasparov always says look if he becomes nominee sorry I'm gonna do it Kasparov he becomes nominee I promise you communism everywhere say do you want communism it's going to be communism and and the reality is that that's actually starting now I just saw an article right before we went on the air about right. Bernie Sanders and communism in the 1980s so so we'll see how that affects things. Okay. Um, okay, so moving on. Jeff Bezos was hacked by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. And it's just like the really rich kids, popular kids in school getting into an argument.
2: Um, yeah, so if you haven't...
1: If folks remember this back, I think it was in the summer. Did these pictures come out of Jeff Bezos with his mistress? Sanchez, Miss Sanchez, yes. Yeah, and broke broke up his marriage and all that kind of thing. So the question was, where did these... They were in the National Enquirer. Where did they come from? And it turns out they came from a WhatsApp uh, conversation that Bezos had with the crown prince. They were going back and forth. Yeah, they shared phone numbers. And then the, the crown
0: prince. And look, Bezos is the owner of the Washington Post. Yes. The, uh, the, I'm sorry, I can't remember the gentleman's name who was who was murdered by the Khashoggi. Thank you, by Mohammed bin Salman, and so and, and the Washington Post isn't letting it go. So you see, like a direct battle. I, I, yeah, and I, this I was, was wrong somewhere. to say. I'm wrong to say the rich kids getting it. it's far more serious than that. I apologize right, right, for right, that. That was right, wrong. Right. But- so
1: what happened here is so in, in the midst of these conversations, one morning, uh, uh, the Crown Prince sends Bezos. An unsolicited video, like, hey, watch sure. this, dude. I mean, you're talking about rich kids. That's exactly what it sounded like. And in that was malware that downloaded all his phone information back to Saudi Arabia, which included those pictures. And this was six weeks before the Khashoggi murder. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So, so it was uh, obviously it was Saudi going. Arabia was looking for stuff on Khashoggi, but it goes to show you, you can't right. trust anybody.
0: Well, no, it doesn't say you can't trust anybody. Don't say that. Yeah. Um, but actually, the Kish- well, Khashoggi... Well, actually,
1: actually, you shouldn't be trusting the crown prince of Khashoggi. <laughs> oh, there you go. That. Let's that's, go with that. that that's, but also, that's pretty obvious.
0: It, it was before Khashoggi was murdered, but but Prince Salman was mad that Khashoggi was writing
1: all of these articles in the Washington Post. Right. That's why they did it. Okay, right. moving on. All right. so um, So the, the impeachment trial is on, and Donald Trump... Uh, he has a record day in tweets, over 140 tweets in one day.
0: Wah wah is what I want to say, and I'll tell you why. Um, first day, he didn't do any, no tweets. The day of the of the rules, there was no tweets. Him sending out 162 tweets, I think that was what the number was. Um, is it's damaging to President Trump at to a certain point? Because it's gotten to the point now where I remember back in 2017, 2018, when the president tweeted something, it mattered. Well and people would argue, does it matter and say, well, it's the president of the United States saying something, so it matters. Now it doesn't matter. Unless it's something really like now it's just it's it's just noise at this point. Yeah. And I don't think it's effective.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Even for his I agree with you. Even for his uh core followers, it just becomes ineffective. Because it is no longer news, it's just noise and what was interesting about this it wasn't like he was even sitting around in the the residence at the White House doing this with nothing else to do he was in Switzerland at the Davos economic conference and uh, apparently the, this is what he was able to do all day it was I think that was fascinating too but I agree with you on your on your underlying point is we actually heard the only thing I heard about his tweets on Wednesday was the fact that it was a record number of tweets yeah and not not the content of the tweets themselves. Because
0: there's nothing being said; it's just being re- his tweets are largely kind of being retweeted. Okay, let's talk about Davos and climate change. Prince Charles, who had an interesting moment, did you catch with uh, with Vice President Mike Pence? Did you catch that where yeah, he just walked by him and did? I know that I, I, I agree. Earlier I agree, in the day with with the but the he Pence didn't thing. shake his hand. He didn't shake his hand in either spot.
1: Yeah. Well, know he shook he shook hands when they met backstage. No, beforehand. he didn't. I, I saw
0: the video. I watched the video. He would not shake his hand, and he did not want to be seen shaking
1: his hand. And okay. I looked at Prince Charles. I was like, "Yo, King Charles, what's up?" <laughs> they were laughing and talking together backstage. We saw that. I'm gonna have to watch that film again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, were, but I'll let's have, talk about I, climate I, change. But does, he, yeah, that was the big deal. That's been the big deal in Davos. Davos is the big economic conference. All the the major heads of uh, the banks, the businesses, uh, the heads of government uh, converge. Um, and the past few years, it has been all about climate change. And that is an existential threat economically to the world, not to Donald Trump, though.
0: No. And, and the, uh, and, and Greta was there. Greta Thunberg Um, from uh, the teenager. And that was one, actually, there's one tweet that did make it out or it it was a tweet or whether it was what the president said. She, yeah, she's 16 years old and she beat me out in time magazine. Right. How about that? And it's like, come on, dude, are you serious? Really? Is that so self? Yeah. Um, but the climate change, Prince Charles, uh, future King Charles, came out and he said, the world is frying and we have to do something about it or that we do not have a future. We, based on everything that we're seeing in Australia um,
1: is uh, and
0: everywhere, <laughs> is is certainly true. Okay.
1: All right. So um, let's wrap our hot take segment with uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Let's, let's visit him again. But the thing that I wanted to point out, because I thought you would have an interesting take on it, was that he said maybe we should subpoena the Baseball Hall of Fame to find the one uh, baseball writer who did not vote for Derek Jeter to get into the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, this is a little nod to all my buddies over at Sleeper on the Bus who listen to the show every week. Um, I'll tell you this. The people who are, I'm a New York Yankee fan. I grew up in New York. Uh, Father put a Yankee hat on my head in 1976, 1975 when when I was three years old uh yankee fan yankee fan yankee fan the people who are complaining about dark jeter not getting a unanimous vote for uh the hall of fame to me are foolish on this point because willie mays who was a far superior player to dark jeter did not get near a unanimous vote joe dimaggio who was a better player than dark jeter did not get a unanimous vote Mickey Mantle did not get a unanimous vote. You go down the line. No one until Mariano Rivera had ever gotten a unanimous vote. I do not believe, having watched Dirk Jeter for his entire career, that he should have been the positional player who actually did get a unanimous vote. He wasn't that good. And his his value, he was great, I and mean, he's still a Hall of Famer. Like, let's not, don't tear my hat off. But in terms of his Hall of Fame career, it had more to do with longevity. And if you look at the last five or six years of that career, he was a a deficient shortstop and would never move off of the position. I have my arguments with Derek Jeter. I think it's perfectly fine, more than fine. I think it's more than appropriate that he was not named uh, a unanimous Hall of Famer. Mariano Rivera, I actually think was appropriate because he was so selective there was never been a, a, a relief pitcher that has ever been as good as what Mariano Rivera was. Derek Jeter does not qualify, in my opinion. So you disagree
1: with Hakeem Jeffries that there is yes, no, right, no, no, no firmly. Need to support the Hall of he's Fame. He's
0: just he's <laughs> snowing it's he's Brooklyn and he's Brooklyn and Queens, right? So he's throwing a little love to his constituency. You know, he good for him, but no no i disagree and i know more about baseball than hakeem jeffries does he he knows more about law though
1: okay so well, let's move on then to our guardian of the week and i'll turn that over to you okay well i got a phone call from my
0: mom uh who's a big fan of our show um and she said you know i, I was thinking is adam schiff do i want to put propose schiff? I was like, no no it's not no, for no, guardian no, no. of the week right no no i understood uh, and then my mom said, you know, Jim Lair passed away. I said, yeah. She said, will you please watch the second half of the NewsHour? And I wasn't able to because I was watching the impeachment. I will watch, Mom. I'm going to watch. Um, but, uh, you know, Jim Lair, i was been a fan of his for, for a long
1: time. She said he would be a good guardian of the week. I went, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. So I proposed it to you, and you said? Absolutely. I mean, he was a hero of mine when I was a kid, and it, when I wanted to get into some type of politics without actually getting into politics. And... He was one of the, the the folks that I looked up to, uh, him and, and Robin McNeil on the McNeil Lehrer report, which became the McNeil Lehrer Hour. But you know Jim Lehrer is, uh, you know they started back in 1975. He was a newspaper man turned to TV, uh, the dean of presidential debate moderators. He moderated 12 debates, and uh, you know there's a quote from him that I think is really is useful to think about today and something that we need to go back to. And he said, um, when he started the news hour that we started off saying to ourselves 10 years ago, that it is fairly easy to produce heat, but very tough to produce light. And so, you know, he says, you know, we take the passion out of issues, but if I'm going to fail, I would rather do it that way.
0: There's a, there, I'm going to read his 10 points of how he goes about his journalistic career. Um, Here we go. Do nothing I cannot defend. Cover, write, and present every story with the care I would want if the story were about me. Assume there is at least one other side or version to every story. Assume the viewer is as smart and as caring and as good a person as I am. Assume the same about all people on whom report. Assume personal lives are a private matter until a legitimate turn in the story absolutely mandates otherwise. Carefully separate opinion and analysis from straight news stories and clearly label everything. Do not use anonymous sources or blind quotes except on rare and monumental occasions. No one should ever be allowed to attack another anonymously. And finally, I am not in the entertainment business.
1: We could use a man like Jim Lehrer again.
0: Yeah, so- Judy Woodruff does a fine job, I think.
1: Yeah. I think she she does a fine job, but it's time for the next
0: generation but maybe um, maybe that is not what these times
1: are about. Yeah, and I think it's less about the personalities today than the, the industry and the business itself. Okay. That makes this problematic. Okay, so that's it for this week's edition of Guardians of the Republic. If you have any suggestions for a Guardian of the Week, like Ian's mom, please like reach mom. out to us. Yeah, sure. Reach <laughs> out to us on, on Twitter at Guardians OTR.
0: And make sure, please, to subscribe to get the latest episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And please give us a rating or tell your friends so others can find us. Also, check out our website at guardians-republic.com.
1: Thanks for joining us, and we will be back with a new episode next week. See ya.